This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30, So the Oil Kings just underway in Prince Albert. Opening minute of the game. No score. Game five, Oil Kings and Raiders. Game six back at Rogers Place. Sunday afternoon at two. Series tied 2-2, so on Sunday, one of those two teams will have a chance to win and move on to the WHL final. Carolina and the Islanders. Cal Clutterbuck gets a high-stick double minor 50 seconds into the third, so it is a four-minute power play for Carolina. They have two and a half minutes remaining as they try to get the first goal in this one, scoreless into the third. The other NHL game coming up tonight... Starts at 8 o'clock Mountain Time as the Avalanche meet the Sharks. Tomorrow in the afternoon, 1 o'clock Stars and Blues, and then 6 o'clock for the Blue Jackets and the Bruins. Athletics in Blue Jays, 2-0 Jays, bottom of the 7th. Vlad Guerrero Jr. 0 for 3 in his much-anticipated Blue Jays debut. Have a text here to 636.30 saying, I'm a huge Expos fan, so I hope they come back. But I lost a lot of respect for Vlad Sr. This texture goes on to say, the Expo has discovered him, signed him, pulled him out of poverty, gave him his start in the majors. Then he goes into the Hall of Fame as an Anaheim Angel. What a slap in the face to the Expo. So that's a text of 630-630. Yeah, that uh, whole cap debate in the Hall of Fame uh, has been one that's affected a lot of players. Certainly uh, Gary Carter was uh, one, and... I, you know, he went in as uh, an expo, I, and he was very careful what he said. I think one time he did say he would have preferred to go in as a as a Met. Of course, we lost Gary Carter a few years ago. Um, Andre Dawson, Tim Raines, also in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, I just found an interview here. I saw that text come in, an interview from last uh, January, where Guerrero said, I toiled over this for a long time. Canadian people mean a whole lot to me. Picking the Angels means a lot because of what it represents, all the winning. Guerrero played longer with the Expos and had slightly better numbers with the Expos, but he did uh, win an MVP with the Angels and went to the playoffs five times. I wonder, too, to to that texture, and I'm not saying this is fair or right necessarily, but I just wonder, too, if it's hard for players to pick the cap of a team that no longer exists. You know, like you're going into the Baseball Hall of Fame and you're saying, hey, I want to go in as a Montreal Expo, and and there actually aren't Montreal Expos anymore. And And I don't consider the Washington Nationals the Montreal Expos. I know the... You know, the franchise moved there, but I, I, I just don't see it that way. But 
you know, it obviously great to see Carter and Dawson and Rames in the Hall of Fame. Guerrero, incredible player, and his son debuting tonight for the Blue Jays. All right, you can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. The Edmonton Oilers farm team, a chance to win their first-round series tomorrow when they take on the Colorado Eagles. Pleased to be joined by captain of the Condors, Keegan Lowe. Keegan, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing very well. It's great to have you on the show again. Good to catch up with you and talk a little bit about the Condors' uh, playoff journey and really what's been a pretty cool season to this point. Let's start with the postseason here. You have a 2-1 series lead on Colorado. It is a best of five, so a chance to close it out tomorrow night. Uh, take me a little bit through the first three games so far. What kind of an opponent have they been? Oh, they're they're a really good team. I mean, uh, you know, I don't. I think uh, all season the Pacific Division was pretty close, and uh, where there was no team that really separated themselves from the other. You know, they play a hard game. They're on you. They forecheck hard, and they clog up the neutral zone. So. I think we had to fill them out a little bit the first weekend. We played a good first game. You know, the second game, you know, wasn't wasn't our best. We had some things we could have done better, but at the same time, you know, we still outshot them. So we're keeping their chances down, and then that all led up to game three, where I thought we played our best game in, in the last couple months, that's for sure. All right. Well, and then a, a little bit of a break from, from Tuesday to Saturday. As a player, do you, do you like that to maybe get an extra day or two of rest, or when you're coming off a win, would have you sooner have got back at it a little quicker? Uh, I mean, you could you could make an argument for either. I think the last, you know, the last little bit of the season and and uh, the travel through the through the first round of playoffs has been a little bit, you know, taxing. So we're never going to complain about the couple days to to recharge back up. Um, you know, at the same time, we did have the momentum, but I, I don't think that's going to change from Saturday. The fans in Baco had been awesome on Tuesday, and it's only going to be better on the weekend. So uh, I think I think either way is a positive for us. Okay, well, there was a big positive for your team and for the Oilers organization as a whole on, on Tuesday. You had Evan Bouchard jump in and contribute with three points. Uh, I mean, hey, everybody knows where he was drafted and, and what the team is hoping he can become someday. Tell us a little bit about him being inserted into the lineup and, and what allowed him to have a, a productive first game with you guys. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're obviously really excited to have him. Um, it's a shame that his... His season was cut short there in junior, but, you know, it's a positive for us because we're getting a really good player that's bolstering an already pretty deep back end we have down here. Um, you know, he's super calm and poised with the puck. He's got that good shot. He always has his head up, so he's always a threat in the offensive zone when he gets a puck. Obviously, you know, I don't know if he could have done much better with a goal and two assists in his first pro game, or first AHL game he played in the NHL, but first pro playoff game. Um you know, we're really happy to have him. He's a great kid, and he fits with our group real well. Well, and, and you mentioned the, the back end there, and the, there are some exciting prospects for the Oilers. You're, you're in that situation. You know, you're, you're, you're 26, which is not old by any means, but there, uh, there are some guys younger than you on the blue line that you've probably seen grow a little bit over the last year or two, whether it's the, the Bears or the Joneses or, or Lagasin and Bouchard joining. Just what kind of a, what kind of a decor is it, and, and what's it like for you uh, being around some of those guys who are where you were in your career? kind of you know four or five years ago oh i think it's i think it's awesome i mean like i said before we have one of our strengths of our team has been our defense and you know it's, it's so deep and it's competitive you know everybody's competing for ice time and you know those 
those guys you mentioned, the Joneses and the Legson and Bear, they're all such good players in their own ways. And, um, you know, I think it, it's just, it speaks to our team. You know, we have the depth all, all up and down and they're all different players, but, you know, they all have had tremendous seasons, whether it be, you know, Legison's first season over here in North America or Jonesy just taking a huge step from last year. And it's, it's awesome to see him grow and hopefully, you know, hopefully they can make that next step just like I was hoping to at that point in my career and still hoping to now. Yeah, for sure. Bakersfield Condors captain Keegan Lowe joining us tonight on Inside Sports. They play game four of their series tomorrow against Colorado. What a, what a year for you guys. And uh, look, I know you're focused on the playoffs, but I, I think I just got to ask you about the journey through the season and, and having that 17-game winning streak and, and shooting up in the standings and, and becoming one of the favorites in the league going into the postseason. Just tell me a little bit about the the, the growth of the team and, and, and what allowed you guys you know, to, to keep building on that, that winning streak and really get better. I mean, every team says, well, we want to get better as the season goes along, right? But, but you guys actually were able to do it for the most part. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, we saw it right from the start. We had we had flashes of brilliance, and then we had a little bit of growing pains, and we were a little bit streaky in the first half of the season. Uh, we came back after Christmas and had a bit of a skit as well. I think we were four or five games after the break that we lost in a row, and then that that fifth or sixth game, it was actually in Colorado, was the you know the first game of that streak we went on and. And whereas in the first half of the season we were we were playing good games, but you know we we had lapses of a couple minutes in the third period or whatever, where we were finding ways to lose games. We kind of we started finding ways to win games. Maybe some games we shouldn't have. We got outplayed, but we found ways to lock it down and and play in those tight games. There were so many different types of wins we had, whether it was last minute tying it and winning it in over overtime or you know a couple games where we we scored six seven goals but you know had to stay in, in it till the end there's i think we had a seven six win in there so we got a tons of different experience in so many different types of games which i think is going to be super important going into the playoffs here you know, for you, uh, captain of the of the Condors, just to tell me what it's like to to wear the C this season, and, and what kind of a captain do you do you try to be? Are there any past captains or past leaders you were around that maybe you 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 took some some nuggets from, or, or people you try to model yourself after when, when you're wearing that C? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's it's a huge honor for me. Um, I think you know, there's there's not really. Um, anything else I can compare it to but as far as what kind of leader I try to be I just try and do it right every day you know come to the rink every day whether it's a practice day or a game day and just give it 100% you know just kind of lead by example and show everybody else on the team that I'm always there working and and you know hopefully people will follow I've been really lucky in my career played for some really good leaders you know not all of them captains but I think the best one was Ryan Hamilton last year he was our captain and uh and he was um you know just a huge huge um example for everybody around him you know he wore he wore his heart on his sleeve and and every time you know you you saw him he was 
he was doing everything right and it was just a good example for the younger players and Keegan I'll ask you about life and hockey in Bakersfield obviously you you know you, you spent uh, a good chunk of your life in in Edmonton both growing up and as, as a player in a, in a really great era for the Oil Kings Bakersfield not obviously a traditional hockey market but uh, I, I think probably you've, you've won at least a few people over this season with how well the Condors have been doing what is what is the vibe like there uh, around the team right now Oh, I mean, right now it's better than ever. I mean, I was here last year as well, and the fans are good here. There's there's the loyal group. You know, the rink's not always full, but on weekends, you know, we get some pretty decent crowds, and they're into it. But I think as we've grown this year and, and you know, picked up some steam, especially through, through that streak that always seems to be brought up, I think we garnered a lot of tension in the city, and you're starting to get recognized when you walk around town and see more, like, Condors posters or t- T-shirts or whatever. Um and in the playoffs, you know, we only expect it to get better. The crowd on a Tuesday night, which aren't typically the best nights in the minor league hockey barns for uh, for the crowds, was unreal. And we're hearing it's supposed to be really good, really good on Saturday as well. So, um, you know, the best thing we can do for them is win and, and, you know, gather some more attention. And it could be a fun run. Well, I hope you keep it going. Hope you finish off Colorado tomorrow. You guys are looking really good. Keegan, thanks for making time for us on Inside Sports. All the best. Yeah, thanks for having me. Take care. Keegan Lowe, captain of the Bakersfield Condors. Can you believe he is 26 years of age? And, uh, yeah, Evan Bouchard jumping right in three points the other night in the Condors game three victory over the Colorado Eagles. Been a good season for the Condors. I I think the Oilers' farm system, I I don't know if I would describe it as great necessarily, but I think it's good. I do think it's come a long way over the last three or four years. And you know how it goes. You can list all the prospects on the team. It is just reality. I'm not being pessimistic here. I think I'm being realistic. It is just reality. They will not all play in the NHL. They will not all be good NHL players. But, you know, like I said, you got Jones, you got Bear, you got Lagesson on the back end. Joel Pearson's probably going to come over from Sweden this year. He might actually be able to make the Oilers this year. Up front, you know, Benson, Yamamoto, hopefully bringing some guys along. And instead of having to chase free agents and overpay or uh, overpay in trades, maybe the Oilers can finally be positioned in a couple of years to fill their holes from within and find support players and depth players who have been draft picks who have been playing in the farm. That's the ultimate goal there. Halfway through the third period, we still do not have a goal between Carolina and the Islanders. This is Inside Sports on 630 Shed. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Carolina back on the power play. Nine minutes left in the third period. No score, Hurricanes and Islanders. The Hurricanes had a four-minute power play earlier in the third period. Could not cash in on that. The Oil Kings and Raiders scoreless. Eight and a half minutes left in the first period. Game five in PA. Glenn won our pair of golf passes to go play at the ranch. So congratulations to Glenn. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Shed. Kellen Kennedy is our studio operator this evening. Kellen, old boy, how are you doing? Doing great. Wrapping up another great week. Week. You've had a good week? That's, <laughs> another good week. That's excellent. So, uh, first of all, golf. I got to play yesterday, first round of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was good. I remembered more or less how to make contact with the ball. So that's, that's good. Encouraging. That's, that's the start. I always have those. Well, I did go to the driving range last week, and first round or first hits of the year, I'll always have these fears 
thinking just what if I I can't even make contact or I do right. but it's just all wrong I can't hit it in the air or, or so it was it was okay I was I was in play I had more good holes than bad so I was happy with my round hey onwards and upwards from here pretty low I have pretty low expectations for myself as a golfer but that is okay in, in, side note here Kellen Kennedy mm. uh, the other night I was uh, I was over at my parents. I think well, it would have been on. I think it was on Easter Sunday, and on a lot of the long weekends, a lot of the channels, the 400 channels we get now, they'll just show movies, right? They'll show all the Star Wars movies, or they'll show a bunch of James Bond movies. Yeah. Well, one I can't remember what station it was. One station was showing all the Alien movies. Oh, cool! The, the four Alien movies, not the two recent ones that are mostly terrible, uh, Prometheus and Covenant. So Aliens was on. And uh, Sigourney Weaver's on as Ripley, and my mom says, oh, is that Kellen Kennedy's girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> your mom's a nice lady. So, well, well, she is your celebrity crush. All-time celebrity crush, yep. Sigourney Weaver, I'm just double-checking, uh, 69 years of age. Ah, that's fine. How old are you again? Uh, 33. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> That's my final answer. All right. So, Locking that in. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there could be uh, a connection there. You know, she's a she's a fine-looking woman. You'd be comfortable dating a 69-year-old as a 33-year-old man. If that 69-year-old was Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver, Weaver, sure. You'd be, <laughs> I'd be comfortable with her bank account, I'll you'd, tell you that. You'd be all in. Well, I'm sure she has a lot of aliens memorabilia. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, Aliens, good movie. Great movie. Classic. Is that your favorite Sigourney Weaver film? Uh, between that one and she wasn't on camera for this one, but it was they used her voice. But Wally, the uh, the animated Pixar movie from a few years ago. Oh, is she in that one? Yeah, she voices I think the computer on the the giant ship that houses all the humans with all the stuff. fat humans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fat humans in space. That's what they should have called that. All right. Uh, we've got the 7.30 news coming up. Uh, Carolina not scoring on the power play. 6.40 left in the third period between Carolina and the Islanders. Columbus and Boston started yesterday. The Bruins win it in overtime after getting past the Maple Leafs in seven yet again. Bob Beers will join us from the Bruins radio booth to talk about that. And the new uh, the new track is opening up this weekend. Century Mile, new home for the horses in Edmonton. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kent Verlick from Horse Racing Alberta will check in as well. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chat. We're back after the news. guys
You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, well, two goals for the Prince Albert Raiders late in the first period. They lead the Oil Kings 2-0 in Game 5, the best of seven tied 2-2. Game 6, Rogers plays Sunday afternoon at 2, so the Raiders go up 2-0 on the Oil Kings. Blue Jays and A's now tied 2-2 in the bottom of the 8th. Vlad Guerrero Jr. 0-3 for 3 in that game to this point, and still no score. Hurricanes and Islanders 3-0-2 left in the third period. The finalists for the Jack Adams in the NHL Coach of the Year, Craig Berube from the Blues, Barry Trotz from the Islanders, and John Cooper from the Lightning. The St. Albert slash into the national championship game at the midget female AAA tournament in Sudbury. The Slash winning today in the semifinal 2-1 over Saskatoon in overtime. Madison Willer, uh, pardon me, Madison Willen got the game winner. Stony Creek or the host Sudbury Wolves will be their opponents in the championship game tomorrow. The Slash going for their third consecutive national title. Avalanche and Sharks will start at 8 tomorrow. Stars and Blues and the Blue Jackets and the Bruins. Boston up one nothing in that series. Bruins radio analyst Bob Beers joins us now. Bob, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's great to catch up with you. I know we usually uh, speak once or twice during the season, usually before an Oilers and Bruins game. So we, we get some bonus Bob Beers into the playoffs, I guess, as well. Bonus Bob Beers. I don't know if that's a new nickname for you or not, but that's what we'll go with tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one yet, but I'll take it. I've been called a lot worse. <laughs> that's, that's, well, playing in the NHL, if uh, uh, I, I, do you think the trash talking is, uh, is milder or meaner than when you play? in the 90s um well i think there's still a lot of it i just think that there's less allowed today let's put it that way uh with all the cameras and all the camera work and everything else so you got to be a little bit careful what you're saying so um i still think it's it's there maybe not uh, maybe not quite as much though well, I, I, I watch uh, all the uh, games during the regular season with uh, with Rob Brown, who you would have played against at times in, in your career as well. And sure. yep. uh, I, I get the best stories when the mic's not on, and he tells me some of the uh, <laughs> colorful personalities that he ran into along the way who weren't I'm, afraid to tell I'm what sure they thought. I'm sure they're true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob, it's good to have you on the show. And, and the Boston Bruins get a big Game 1 victory over the Blue Jackets. But i, I got to look back with the, the, the big Boston-Toronto showdown, another one and another one that goes seven games. Bob, you know what? i, I got to be honest with you here, and I'm not saying this just to pick on the Leafs fans who might be tuning in tonight. <laughs> I, I never thought Boston was going to lose that series, even though Toronto kept going up a game along the way. I mean, you're much, much closer to it than I was. Take me through uh, your observations of that series. Did you always feel, you know, Boston was, you know, kind of was, was going to make that push and get it done, or did you think that this could have been Toronto's year to finally get past them? Well, there were always doubts. I mean, you, you know, you have to respect how good Toronto is. Um, you know, everybody has their holes, um, so you try to exploit those holes. But, you know, Toronto's a good team. They're coming. Um, you know, they've got some young guys that are, are real, you know, I mean, dynamic players. They're exciting. Um, you know, I, I know that they're not feeling great about themselves right now, but it's something that, you know, I, we always go back to the Bruins, um, this core group that lost in 2010. 
um, they thought that they were ready to, to really break through, and they were up three games to nothing on Philadelphia. And Philadelphia, of course, came back and beat them four games to three. And it was like, you know, the sky was falling around here, what changes they were going to make, everything else. And then the following year, the Bruins go on and win the Stanley Cup. So I firmly believe that you know, dealing with a little bit of adversity along the way makes you stronger. Uh, the Bruins have certainly had to deal with their share of it, not only this year, but along the way. Uh, these guys are kind of hardened to their core group. Uh, they bring some of the younger guys along with them. Uh, they teach them well. They're good leaders. So, you know, it's I, 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 it's a learning process. Toronto was better this year than they were last year, even though both series went to seven games. So, you know, for them, trying to find answers right now, uh, I, I know it's difficult, but, you know, they're going to be tough again next year. And well, we all know that around here. But so fortunately for the Bruins, they were able to come out on top. There's always doubt, but, you know, the resiliency that the Bruins have shown this year has been pretty impressive and they kind of reach back to that a lot during the season and they even reach back to it during the first round and even yesterday when they were trailing by a goal in the third period well and in game seven against toronto uh i, I mean i know i guess bergeron got that goal with a second left but it, I, I, it was the it was the depth guys it wasn't the, the the guys you expect the high scoring from that that really were the guys hitting the score sheet in game seven well, it's interesting because all season long, the Bruins, not all season, but a lot of the first half of the season, they were top heavy where, you know, the top line was getting it done. And then, you know, who was doing the rest of the scoring and the secondary scoring and the five on five scoring was highly in question for the Bruins as the season wore on. And then all of a sudden the secondary scoring started to, to take place. And, you know, Jake DeBrus got hot. David Krejci, of course, had a good year and, and so on and so forth down the line. And then the five on five scoring started to, to take shape as well. And they went on a real hot streak. What is it? 15, Oh, and four, I think it was 19 straight games without a regulation loss. And, you know, it kind of propelled them to where they were in the second place. And they made a couple moves at the trade deadline. Uh, those moves certainly paid off last night. Last night was all secondary scoring. You know, you, you, Coyle had two, and um, and Noel Chari had a shorthanded goal. He's a fourth-line center, so or a fourth-line winger. So it's, you know, for the Bruins, I think they're, that's a positive, that their top guys are, you know, Martian's getting his points, and Bergeron's kind of getting his points, but they haven't been as dominant maybe as other times that we've seen them. So it's a, it's a good sign for Boston that they've been able to keep up with some of the bottom six forwards doing, the, uh, doing a good job um, on the score sheet. And it was something that really hurt them last season against Tampa in the second round where that Bergeron line kind of got shut down a bit by Braden Point and company, and, and they really didn't have a lot of secondary scoring. Some of the guys really banged up, and they couldn't get it done. Bob Beers joining us, an inside sports analyst for the Boston Bruins, of course, former Edmonton Oiler during the course of his NHL career. So, you know, the the, the talk all year was, yeah, Boston and Toronto are, are going to beat each other up in the first round, and the reward will be having to play Tampa Bay in the second round. Well, not so <laughs> fast. Uh, so, yeah. so Columbus does it, and uh, Columbus obviously hangs right in there against the Bruins yesterday. Give me, uh, give me some thoughts on Game 1 and maybe the scouting report for this series, not the expected opponent for for the Bruins Leafs winner but uh, certainly a team that put it together over the last uh, 10 to 12 games of the regular season well physical is the first thing that comes to mind and that started to show yesterday um, it, you know first couple shifts it did then it died down a bit then it picked up as the game went on where Columbus found their game a little bit you know I thought they were a little rusty in the first period and the Bruins were able to take it to them and then Columbus came back and played hard um, you know found their legs and and were, were effective at at uh, throwing some pretty good hits. And uh, I think that 
you know, for Columbus to win the series, they're going to have to do that. And for the Bruins, you know, they're going to have to initiate some of that and be able to take some of it because, and, and you know, they, they say that they like it. They say they don't mind that kind of game. So, you know, they're going to get tested that way because Columbus can certainly bring it. But there's also, a, you know, a level of skill there too. I mean, you're talking about, you know, a guy that scored 40 in, in Atkinson. You're talking about Panarin. Uh, you're talking about Duchesne, uh, who had a great first round. A little quiet yesterday. Expect him to be better. You know, and so on and so forth down the line. And I think Josh Anderson's a terrific power forward. Uh, just watching him go. He threw a couple of big hits yesterday. Run one off the post in the second period. So Bruins are going to be tested, no question. And, you know, they've got a little more experience on their side, even though Columbus has a couple of guys as well. But um, this is a little uncharted for Columbus, right, in the second round for the first time. And for the Bruins, you know, they've been there a few times. So we'll see how this series plays out. I don't think, you know, a lot of people around here are really happy. I just, you know, be careful what you wish for. If Columbus came together at the end of the year after the trade deadline acquisitions. And, you know, they played some good hockey to get in. You know, they run right over. They run over Tampa in the four games. And, you know, be careful what you wish for. This is going to be a, a tough, physical, hard series between two good teams. All right, Bob, I'm going to have some fun with you here with the last one. Go down memory lane a little bit. You won the Turner Cup, the IHL Championship, 1996. <laughs> Utah Grizzlies, I think uh, Butch Goring was uh, was your head coach. Uh, he was our head coach, and Kevin Shemeldayoff was our assistant coach, the guy that's the GM in Winnipeg now. Uh, I think you had uh, Tommy Sallow was your goalie. Am I looking up the right team here? Who obviously yes, then, uh, yes. you know, was a pretty pretty good order. What, what do you remember about, uh, about that run? That must have been a pretty cool experience i gotta be honest with you it was it was the most fun i had in my career <laughs> it was just a great year we had a lot of veteran guys Gord Deneen was our captain he you know veteran of what 800 nhl games we had scotty arneal who's behind an nhl bench right now he was one of our our um, acquisitions near the trade deadline um we just we had a great time it was a really good run you know, our division that year, you talk about IHL stories, um, our division that year was us, San Francisco, Los Angeles, uh, Phoenix, and Las Vegas. So, I mean, how can you not have fun when you're playing those teams, you know, half the season? <laughs> so, you know, we didn't take a bus trip anywhere. We were flying everywhere. You know, always stay over. I mean, we just, we had a really, you know, kind of close, you know, close-knit team, did a lot of stuff together, played a lot of golf in the playoffs, but we were always together. And it was just a, it was a great run. It was a great run. And um, had, I had a lot of fun that year. Uh, sounds great, Bob. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for the update on the uh, on the Bruins playoff drive so far. We really appreciate it, man. All the best. I appreciate it. Thank you. Always enjoy talking to Bob Beers from the Bruins broadcast booth. And yes, 1996 IHL Turner Cup champion. Cool memories from him there as well. Boston up one nothing in that series. Carolina and the Islanders. No one has scored. They are going to overtime. New race. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply track Kent Verlick from Horse Racing Alberta when we get back subscribe to the inside sports podcast 
Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 749, and I'm pleased to welcome to the show the CEO of Horse Racing Alberta, Kent Verlick. Kent, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm a longtime fan, and uh, I guess I'm now a first-time caller. Well, <laughs> good stuff. Well, thanks for your listenership, and I'm happy to have you on the show because it's a big weekend for Horse Racing Alberta, the new Century Mile South Edmonton. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I guess there's two ways to look at it, right? It's already been open, but the horses actually finally get going around the track on Sunday. First day racing. Yeah, it's going to be a great day. What? Wish the weather was going to be better, though, but what can you do, right? Yeah, winter decided to come back for a weekend, but that's okay. Makes it a little more unpredictable, I think, for the betters, which, which isn't bad. So, Kent, in your words, just tell us what it means for, for this track to be opening up, and, and maybe, I guess, in contrast to the uh, facility and, and the situation that existed at Northlands. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, you know, I guess the first thing is it's, it's a brand-new state-of-the-art track, and it's a mile track, so it's... Uh, kind of unique to Western Canada to have a, a Class A mile track here. And, you know, the facility at Northlands was, was older and whatnot, and now we have a brand-new state-of-the-art facility with uh, all kinds of other entertainment that's happening there, and it's purpose-built for, for that particular entertainment. But really it's about the racing is what I would say, and it's got, you know, the, all, of the, all the horsemen are thrilled about the condition of the track, and it's really going to change the look and feel of racing because it's a lot different, as you know, racing on a mile track than it would be on a 5.8 track. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up, and that's, uh, I mean, so for people who don't get that, I mean, it's you're going from five-eighths to, to, to a mile, so you got the three extra furlongs in the wrap, and the way, I'll, I'll let you kind of expand on this, because you'll be able to explain it way better, but I think, would it be fair to say, especially in harness racing, it might open up a little bit more in that stretch drive? Yeah, uh, but I think it's really, it's, it's for the thoroughbreds too in the sense that you know now that they don't have as many turns to go through because in and, and, and harness racing the turns is where a lot of the excitement is it is in, or in uh, uh, thoroughbred racing as well but it means they have to come out quick because they want to get a good lane so that they can get through those turns and the turns are a little harder on the thoroughbreds I think uh, than on the, the standard breads because of the, the force that they're running with so what it means is you got two stretches and that last stretch is a long one <laughs> if you if you go too soon, I think I heard one of the guys saying they might be walking back to the finish line if they, if they start too soon to go into that stretch. So it's really going to be a lot more strategy, and those, those stretch drives are going to be really exciting. When, when people have been going to Northlands for the last several years or, well, decades, uh, there was the, the slots, uh, there was Colors Restaurant with the dining experience. What is going to be the situation with some of those extras at Century Mile? Uh, well, yeah, they know they've got they've got the finish line restaurant. Uh, I'm not entirely sure of all the different uh, venues that they've got, but they've got uh, a few more uh, suites. They've got good views of the track. It doesn't have the big grandstand that that it did, but you know the grandstand was really only full one day a year for the Derby. So this is really built for the, what the current uh, market is for racing in this province. And, and as I say, they got great food at, uh, I told that I was there today, I just had lunch meeting with the horsemen there. And uh, the food there is fantastic. Great views of the track, big apron that you can stand out there on. And uh, next year, I believe the top level as well is going to be like an open air uh, 
uh, veranda kind of where you could be on top of the building overlooking the track. So, you know, it's this is early in their evolution, and I think you're going to see a rebirth of uh, horse racing in this province as a result of it. Well, this is exciting, and I want to ask you about that about uh, the the future of horse racing. I mean, it, it's it's had its ebbs and flows as a sport and with public interest, like a lot of sports do. That uh, nothing unusual about that. If I were to say to you, Kent, if we were to talk in two or three years. What would have you have hoped to accomplish, or what would have you liked to see uh, happen with horse racing Alberta? Yeah, uh, well, there, there's a lot on the financial side, and, and we have to be thankful to the government. They've been very supportive over the years. But we've had some changes in our, our formulas for funding. But really, what I hope to see and what we're striving to do is, you know, we want to increase the field sizes. To do that, you've got to increase the horse population, which means you need more owners, more breeders. And you do that by incenting with with purses and bigger purses. So that's what we're trying to do. Uh, get more purse money out there, incentives for breeders to, to breed good uh, racehorses here in the province. And all of that, and bigger field sizes, that means more, more horses in each race, will uh, really make that handle grow. And that's what it's all about. So I'm really thinking in three years, I'd like to see us have a, a turnaround where we're increasing the handle her sizes are better, and uh, we have a bigger horse population. And, and obviously, I, I know a story last summer, and, and with uh, things winding down in Northland, there was a little bit of uncertainty about the future of the Canadian Derby, but it, but it's staying it's in Edmonton. It's going to the to uh, to the Century Mile, and, and that's got to be incredibly positive. Yeah, longest uh, race. I mean, in terms of, it's, I forget how many years it is, I think it was 105 last year. So it's one of the longest and oldest uh, horse races in Alberta, actually in Canada, I should say. So mm-hmm. we're proud that they've kept that. And all that's happened is that they've changed location to the new track. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's going to be exciting. That's on August 28th, of course, which is, I think, the last day of racing here. And, and uh, for the thoroughbreds that... Uh, century mile they're moving then up to century downs and the standard reds come back so they kind of switch venues at that time but it's uh it's going to be an exciting year for racing i'm really looking forward to it well this is exciting news kent i, I hope sunday goes great so the first race uh post time 145 on sunday and uh, we'll keep following throughout the summer this is be- going to be cool hey thanks for checking in i know it's been a busy time for you really appreciate it well, thanks for having us, and look forward to seeing you. I'll buy you beer sometime there. Oh, I'll be there. Don't worry <laughs> about that. I, well, I take my parents to the races uh, every August long weekend. It's right around their anniversary. So oh, be for, sure, for sure I'll be there at that time. We'll look forward to seeing you. Right on. Yeah. That is right. Ken thanks. Early Bye. checking in, the CEO of Horse Racing Alberta. So, yeah, the new Century Mile, 145, post for the first race on Sunday. Okay. 2-2. Blue Jays and A's, they are now in the bottom of the ninth. Vlad Guerrero Jr. led off the bottom of the ninth with a double to right. So he uh, stands to be the winning run if the Blue Jays can cash him in. Hurricanes and Islanders are in overtime, scoreless. It just started. Avalanche and Sharks start in a few minutes. Oil Kings in tough. Start of the second period, they trail the PA Raiders 2-0. Besides Kent Verlick tonight, you heard from Bob Beers, Keegan Lowe, Mike Johnson, and George Larac. You missed anything, go to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. The studio producer this evening, the one and only Kellen Kennedy. Kellen, hope you have a great weekend. You too. Have fun. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, if, like me, you're part of a family that celebrates Easter this Sunday, hope it's a great one. Take care. Until tomorrow.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.